0: Good day, everybody. Welcome on in episode 138 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden, your host here tonight. Thank you so much, everyone, for hopping on in here to the YouTube live stream or watching on YouTube on replay. Uh, Thank you, everyone, on the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, for tuning in as well. At Talking Friars on Twitter, at Talking Friars on Instagram, at Talking Friars on TikTok. And you can hit me up there, ask any questions you want. If you ever want any questions, mailbag questions. If you can't make a live uh, stream and you want those answered, go ahead and leave them there as well. This episode sponsored by Gaglion Bros, famous cheesesteaks and subs. Located in Point Loma, uh, located in Sports Arena, located at Petco Park all season long. Their main uh, booth with cheesesteaks, garlic fries, down the third baseline by the Valley Sports San Diego pre- and post-game show booth. And speaking of the pre- and post-game show booth, we will get to that and some of the Padres broadcast schedule, the national TV broadcast schedule. A lot of stuff to discuss tonight. Again, for our sponsor, Gagleon Bros, Steaks and subs, gaglionbros.com to view their entire menu. Alright, let's get started. In the chat, everyone tell me where you're watching from. Uh, I'll give you a shout out and hit me up with any questions you have. Again, a lot to talk about today. We got yesterday's game I was working yesterday again if, uh, if you missed my full reaction to the Matt Beatty trade uh, that was episode 137 so you can go watch or listen to that after this episode's over I uh, gave my full thoughts it was like within 20 minutes after the trade happened I think I was the first you know Padre live stream out there uh, giving my thoughts on it uh, so I'd appreciate if you go watch and listen to that give me your thoughts I love you know commenting and replying to everyone's thoughts, you know, on the YouTube page or on social media. Uh, So there's that. He spoke for the first time as a Padre today with the media. He played in his first spring training game as a Padre today against the Giants. That didn't go well for the Padres as a whole, but it went pretty well for him. And we'll get into that and what he did um, and his comments to the media today. Uh, we'll start with yesterday's game. The Padres have new jerseys that are coming out later this year. So a lot to discuss, a lot to talk about. As you can see, all of the topics that will be discussed are on are in the ticker down below, starting with that Mike Clementer-Rocky start. Uh, but first, we're going to start with Monday's game. Just a quick recap since I did not cover that. 9-8, to eight, Padres won. Uh, Luis Campesano hit that go-ahead grand slam in the top of the ninth. Jorge Alfaro has definitely played himself onto this roster, uh, and that I think that's pretty clear. He has four home runs now of you know this spring. He already, uh, yeah, those four home runs hit a home run again on Monday, and then he doubled uh, as well in that game again. Joe Musgrove he also pitched had the four innings on Monday. Two earned runs, five hits, one walk, four strikeouts, one home run. Uh, That one home run uh, was to Eloy Jimenez, who's obviously a a good young hitter. And Emilio Pagan was obviously the big story. I know everyone on Twitter was saying Pagan instead of just P-A-G-A-N. It was P-A-G-O-N-E, so just spelling gone, uh, just because they don't want him to be the closer. They don't like him right now. Uh, That's pretty clear. And I kind of disagree with people not liking him. I understand why they don't like him. And if you don't like him in the viewpoint that you don't want him to be the closer, I, I, can, I can understand why. But at the same time, I think you should still like him to be a reliable reliever in this bullpen. I don't see why he shouldn't be. Uh, I think he fits well, you know, maybe in that 7th or 8th inning spot. Maybe not as the ninth inning closer. But for some reason, I feel like it's going to come down to him or Robert Suarez for that closer spot if Bob Melvin decides to go that, you know, full solidified closer from the start of the season on. Kind of like how Melanson, you know, grabbed that last year, if he decides to do that. He spoke to the media today kind of about the closer situation, and so we'll get into those comments as well. Uh, But I just wanted to cover that, you know, Monday game, Emilio Pagan went a third of an inning, Five runs he gave up, five hits, didn't walk anyone, but he gave up a home run. And so right when it kind of felt like, okay, Emilio Pagan was kind of turning the corner and all that, that ends up not really being the case in terms of like being shut out the entire, you know, spring training, Cactus League uh, campaign this year that he is pitching. Uh, Now, this is a spring training game, so it doesn't matter some a little bit and but mostly not because again these results don't matter. So I guess you can uh you know put into put this appearance into your head, put it into the back of your head or into the front of your head. I know a lot of partner fans are going to put it into the front of their head, uh but again, it is a spring training appearance and he was good the rest this past spring train or his past appearances, this whole spring training, uh, you know, not including this one, but it is, we're we're all, you know, we all have recency bias and we're all victims of the moment, right? And Pagan, the fact of the matter is he sucked yesterday. He sucked his last spring training appearance and that's what people are going to, you know, remember and talk about right now. So that's unfortunate for Emilio, I don't know how much they're going to put this into effect in terms of the closer situation Uh, but give me your thoughts on Emilio if you think he should be the closer who you think should be the closer because that's one of the spots that's obviously up for grabs uh, this spring and going into opening day on April 7th against the Arizona Diamondbacks Uh, let's get to before we get to the City Connect jerseys let's get to Tuesday's game Today's game, as I'm coming to you live after the Padres lost to the Giants, 11-6. Mike Clevenger, okay, so before we get into that, David comments, Emilio Pagan sucks. I don't think he sucks. I mean, he's a big league reliever. I think everyone has their bad appearances. It is Arizona, and the ball does fly more than it does in normal Major League ballparks. Uh, but I again, like I mentioned earlier, I understand why fans might be frustrated with Emilio uh, just because of the whole Dodgers stuff last year and then this start, it's kind of like deja vu for them. So I understand. I understand. And definitely you can have that opinion if you want to. Uh, Moving to today's game, Mike Clevenger is the big headline of this game and how he struggled. His first spring training start of this year, it was his first appearance game action since October 6th of 2020 so it's been a long long time for Mike Clevenger he said after the game that his timing was off and his stat line definitely shows that he was scheduled to go three-ish innings according to Bob Melvin Uh, he was pulled after two outs and 22 pitches into the second inning so he technically did not go three full innings just without anyone else coming in he did pitch into the third inning though but he was relieved in the second inning. And because it's spring training, you're allowed to come back in to the game, even if you were relieved of if someone else came in in the middle of an inning. You can come back and pitch to start that next inning. And that's what it looks like Clevenger did here. So gets pulled in the second inning. And in that second inning, he gave up two walks and two doubles. He did have a couple of strikeouts. In the third inning... He came back. He was relieved of in the second. In the third, he came back, and he only had 10 pitches. From what I what it looks like on MLB game day and all that, he didn't even finish the third inning. This game was not on TV, so it's hard to evaluate uh, because, you know, I, I – for people that have watched, I like doing breakdowns. I like seeing things visually so I can make my own judgment and not just, you know – read Kevin Acey's reports or read Dennis Lynn's reports or AJ Castell's reports about his line and how it looked because I like seeing it for myself and making my own evaluations and coming on here and giving my own evaluations visually with actual like proof visually so you guys that didn't see it or want to see it again can see it but that wasn't the case here I do have the two home runs that he gave up to Joey Bart and Jock Peterson on videos. So I will show that to the YouTube audience. Um, And so for the podcast audience, I encourage you to go watch this episode again, to see that, or go look up the videos yourself online. Uh, But again, he was pulled in the second, pulled in the third, 10 pitches through the third inning he was pulled. Gave up a double, a home run, a single, and then another home run. So the two home runs he gave up were in the third inning. He finished with a line of eight earned runs allowed, Again, he did not have a firm inning amount. He pitched. He gave. Up, I think he went. He went five outs technically. So if that's what you want to say that the line is technically an inning and two thirds, I, I I can understand if that's where you want to go with that. But he technically pitched some parts of three innings. Eight earned runs. gave up seven hits. Walked two. Struck out three. And then gave up two home runs to Jock Peterson and Joey Bart. And like I mentioned earlier, Clevenger said his timing was off. He felt his arm was late. Again, it's hard to, you know, really break down it, you know, with the video, the two home runs that were posted online that I'll share with you right now uh, because it's not like the normal broadcast where it's closer to the, like, right behind the, the batter's eye view where you can kind of see right behind, right behind Clevenger. Uh, So let's go to the Jock Peterson home run first. Here is for the YouTube audience. Here's the Jock Peterson home run. Mike Clevenger gave up. And if you'll notice, it is a middle-in fastball. I think it's a fastball. Or actually, it might not be. That looks pretty slow if that was. That might be a little bit of a breaking ball. But again, for anyone that's watching, it's kind of hard to see really what pitch was thrown here. It was middle-in and... Peterson golfed it over right field you know over the right field fence. this video angle sucks because you literally can't see where the ball landed like for the YouTube audience here it show look it literally it sh- it's obvious you can see the umpire waving that it's a home run but it went into the right field corner but you did, you couldn't see how far it went so only people at the game could. So, but again, just keep, I keep replaying it here for the YouTube audience. For the podcast audience, again, it was middle in and Peterson's... It looks like it was demolished. It didn't look like it had any chance of staying in. As the right fielder was walking and just looking up. So that's not... That wasn't great. Just middle in, probably mislocation. And then if we move to now the Joey Bart home run... This one was another pull-home run. This guy's a righty. And here's the Clevenger. This was definitely a breaking ball, and it, it was a case of the hangers. It definitely hung. And this ball was absolutely crushed. Moonshot over the left field bullpen. Here it is again. Just total middle of the plate. Absolute hanger, and it was crushed. And so... Not great, not great at all from Clevenger today. Again, gave up eight runs. And the question I put in the ticker is if Padre fans, I I don't know if I put it in the ticker, but my question to you guys here in the chat, do you think that you should be worried? Should we be worried as fans for Mike Clevenger? Uh, You know, his status, his, not, not his health. I think he's fine. You know, based on his comments, he said he was fine. His timing was just off, his arm was laid. Again, it was been, it's was it been a long time since he's faced Major League batters in an actual, like, official Major League Baseball game, including, uh, you know, obviously the last time, it was October of 2020 when he exited the NLDS game early uh, because he just couldn't throw breaking balls, um, and he just wasn't effective. So it's been a long time. So I'm not necessarily worried. That's. I'd answer that. I'm not worried. That would be my answer to my question. I'm not worried about Clevenger. It's been a long time. His, it just seemed like he wasn't right today, and you'd expect him to be right in his next appearance. Uh, but facts are facts. In the stat line, he gave up eight runs, and this was like a Mackenzie Gore start last spring trading. He couldn't get out of in terms of not getting, being able to get out of innings. And he wasn't able to get out of two straight innings. And I know it's on pitch count and all of that, but that's that's definitely a concern for me, especially, obviously, when you can't get out of innings. Uh, and it's also, I think, worth it to note that this start that he made, it was against a Giants team that he's going to have to face this year in the division, obviously, assuming that he's going to be healthy. Um, so it's not great. You'd obviously would have hoped that he would have shoved and gave up one run or something like that, or no runs. Uh, and maybe this is good for him to struggle now, and hopefully he doesn't struggle you know, when the season starts. Uh, but overall, I wouldn't be worried, because at least it seems like he knows why he was struggling and why he struggled. And I'd expect the Padres have video of his entire start, even though it wasn't televised. And so he can look back on it and all that. Um, so I'm not concerned again. It's his first major league action in a very long time. And we know what he can do. The every other report out of spring training and during the offseason, uh, not including this was that he feels good and he looks really good. So I don't want to judge him and say, Oh man, Clevenger going to stink this year off of one spring training appearance. So I'm not going to do that. Uh, Let's look at what some of this, our live audience thinks here. Quan Fam says, Emilio can't be pitched back-to-back days. I disagree with that, but that was back to the Emilio Pagan discussion. Here's to the uh, Clevenger discussion. Quan says, yeah, I'm not concerned with Clevenger as long as his arm feels fine. He did not say anything about his arm not feeling fine. So yeah, that's definitely something. That's definitely an aspect of why I'm also not discouraged. Because his arm does feel fine, according to him. Uh, And that it it seemed like it was just mechanical. His mechanics were kind of out of whack. He he was late. And again, I wish I would have, I'd have, you know, more videos so I could break down that. In terms of him being late. His arm being late, you know, with his other mechanics. Does that mean that... When he landed, you know, when his front foot lands and he strides, his arm's not where it's supposed to be. I think that's what he means by his arm being late. Uh, and then we'll get to, let's get to more through here. I think he'll be fine, Quan says. He's going to have some rust and it'll take time to get his timing down. Again, it was, yeah, it was all about timing, it seems like, today. And so that's why I, I'm not going to be totally discouraged by that. Giving up eight runs is definitely alarming, but it seems like he gave up those eight runs because those his mechanics were off, and the Padres just wanted him to get up to a certain pitch count probably and just continue facing live batters, and they don't care m- too much about the results right now. Maybe they'll care more about the ne- his next start, probably his last one before opening day. Uh, they'll probably care about that more a little more than you know what they did what. The, how they cared, how much they cared about his start today. Uh, so again, I, I would not be concerned. Thoughts on Mackenzie Gore, Omar asked me. Yeah, so let's get to him right now, actually. So yeah, we'll get to, let's get to Gore. So Gore came in after Clevenger in the fourth. I think he was, he relieved Nabil Chrismat. Through two innings, he threw 26 pitches, gave up one single through those first two innings. He had his first walk of spring training issued in his third inning of work. He ended up going four innings, so he's more built out uh, than Clevenger is, and maybe that helps him make a rotation or be a six-man if they end up going with a six-man rotation. Bob Melvin did speak about that today, which we'll get to uh, momentarily. Uh, But his final line went four innings, gave up two runs, three hits, walked one, and struck out four. So it seems like a pretty good day. I know you would have hoped that he didn't give up any runs, but pitchers are going to give up runs, you know, facing the best hitters on the planet. They're going to give up runs. And I I, I really want to view Mackenzie Gore in an optimistic viewpoint and a glass half full viewpoint. And frankly, I think it's easier and easier to do that because of what we're seeing this spring training. We're seeing Mackenzie Gore... With much better mechanics, we're seeing him and Ruben Niebla seem like they have a very good relationship, and it seems like things are really working right now. And they're you know they're going on the right path. That's what I'm going to say here about that. Is obviously it doesn't seem like Larry Rothschild with the whole Jace Tingler era worked very well. Uh, and Ruben Niebla, obviously a younger pitching coach, maybe he can relate more. He's probably more into, into the analytics. Than uh, you know, Larry Rothschild was, and I think working with him at Petco Park before the lockout definitely helped, and obviously them working in bullpens and communicating after starts, before starts is definitely helping, and it seems like McKenzie is definitely more confident than he was last spring training and last year, especially you know in El Paso when he was struggling and then he had to get sent down, um, and. I think he's more confident probably now than he was in the Arizona Fall League when he was making some appearances, you know, this last Arizona Fall League. So I think everything right now is encouraging with Gore. I wouldn't read too much into the two runs that he gave up today. I still think that he's on the outside looking in in terms of making the starting rotation because of the options they have. Darvish, Clevenger, Snell, Musgrove, Martinez, Paddock, Weathers. That's seven guys uh, for theoretically five spots. Um, and then you have other guys in the bullpen like Stammen and Chris Matt. If Chris Chris Matt makes the team, that can also piggyback like Snell and Clevenger. So I think probably right right now, the Padres probably don't want to have the mindset of putting McKenzie Gore on the roster if he's just going to piggyback. I think they want him to be built up and be making starts, whether that's at the big leagues or in the minor leagues. I think they want him to be making starts, and I think the most likely scenario is that he's making starts in Triple A to start the year, and then if he continues pitching well, uh, and if there's maybe an injury, or if he continues pitching well, period, you would think that they'd really think about bringing him up, uh, especially if something happens in the rotation or if, so, if the five starters in the rotation aren't pitching well, they're definitely going to think about bringing him up. But right now, I think... My roster projection, if I had a roster projection, I would not have Gore on the roster right now. Um, Just getting to the comments here still. Quan here on YouTube says, Sometimes I want to see pitchers give up some runs. i like to see how they react from it. Yeah, uh, I think sometimes it's good for young pitchers to give up home runs to see how they react. And if they just totally collapse... You know, I think we've seen Paddock do that sometimes. Unfortunately, where he struggles one inning, and and you can just tell that he's still thinking about that instead of moving on to the next pitch, moving on to the next batter. Uh, but for veteran pitchers like Clevenger and all that, I don't really read too much into that. Giving up runs to see it, home runs to see how they react to it, giving up runs to see how they react to it. In terms of Clevenger, just because he's a veteran, he's been there for a while, but. In terms of Gore, yeah, I can definitely agree with you, Quan, about giving up runs and just seeing how he reacts and seeing how he bounce back, bounces back. So I definitely would agree with that. And look, it's the major leagues. Mackenzie Gore, every other pitcher is going to be facing the very best competition in the world. That's what the major leagues are. And so you're not going to not give up a run. So you're going to struggle. Every pitcher struggles even the best pitchers in the league like Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, when they give up runs, it's home runs. And so even they struggle sometimes for their for their standards. Now it's just a matter of how do they react from it. And they the best ones, they're the ones who are able to get that out of their head and move on to the next pitch and attack or use it as motivation and just get pissed off and just go strike everyone else out. Um, so I think we'll see how Gore does if he makes another start or if he appears in another uh, spring training game before opening day. And but like I said, right now I'd still have him on the outside of the twenty-six man, twenty-eight man, excuse me, twenty-eight man opening day roster. Omar comments: I've seen a lot of rumors of a trade for Contreras for Hosmer and prospects. I haven't seen those rumors as of late. I've seen them before. I don't think those are likely. Now we're March 29th, so we're now nine days, I think, till opening day. So I don't see a trade happening. I think a lot would have to go into that for that to happen. One, if the Potters are going to get Contreras, now they have five catchers on the 40 man. So would they trade... It, one of those prospects would be Camposano going back. Even then, they'd still have the same problem. They'd still have four catchers. So would Caratini go in that deal as well? Would Car- Would they, They'd probably have to find an, a deal for Caratini uh, somewhere else, right? Because they do have Jan Gomes, so maybe the Cubs would just bring Car- uh, Camposano straight up, with, and they have Gomes as that veteran catcher. Uh, Omar—excuse me, Quan, in reply to Omar, says, I don't understand trading for Wilson Contreras. We have four catchers as is. Two is—or two catchers too many. Uh, I, I kind of agree with that. I don't really agree with that in terms of immediate, like, opening day, 28-man roster. I think three is fine because I think they like Caratini's you know, veteran presence and his defense, and he still can pitch hit if they you know, want him to. Uh, if they want them to come in late game for Jorge Alfaro, you know, say that you know possibility. If that possibility happens, so I see them. St- I think three catchers is the right amount for opening day. And then once they get past April, assuming all health health is all good and all that, and you know the DH is still void and everything's still still going well with that, and Beatty's still okay, I think they still. I think then is when they would not still have three catchers i think they'd have two Uh, but it's an interesting point all right next topic here so or actually we talked about gore talked about clevenger today also lamette pitched again he went one inning didn't give up a hit didn't give up a walk no runs one strikeout again we did not get this game on television so it's kind of hard to comment on anything Uh, but if he didn't give up any runs didn't walk anybody that's really all i care about he did strike out someone, so that's good. Uh, but it's kind of limited on how, on what I can really you know, break down on that because, again, I didn't watch it. No one could really watch it unless they were in the stadium. Uh, so that's pretty much all I can really talk about in terms of Denelson LeMet. I didn't really see any reports in terms of the beat writers on how LeMet did. I'm sure we'll see that sometime later today or tomorrow. So I guess you can stay tuned for that. But... That was, you know, what LaMette did. And then moving on now, that was Tuesday's game. Let's move on to Bob Melvin's comments uh, before we get to the City Connect jerseys that will be unveiled. Uh, Bob Melvin spoke to the media today before the game at the Giants uh, in Scottsdale. And some notable comments that I wanted to talk about. He said that still quote, still leaning, end quote, towards a five-man rotation. Hopes to know more uh, in the next couple of days on if he'll still have that five-man rotation or if they end up going to a six-man rotation. He prefers a five-man rotation, and we probably might, I think, yeah, I'd I'd say I'd probably lean it towards probably in terms of the likeliness of seeing, like, some piggybacks. With Clevenger not really built up, as much as like Darvish per se, uh, for example, or Snell. I think piggybacking Snell as well is definitely a strong possibility with Paddock or Martinez, whoever doesn't get that fifth spot, or Weathers if they decide to put him on the roster, uh, or someone like Stammen. That's another possibility as well. So I think a five-man rotation is more likely with piggybacks instead of a six-man, and I'd still – have Gore not on the roster uh, because I I want him to come up as a starting pitcher and start games, and if he's not doing that with the major league roster, I'd rather have him uh, in the minor leagues starting games. Uh, another quote or another thing that he mentioned: he would like to know going into opening day who he'll close out who you know games with. Uh, but there's still time left, seven more games left on the spring slate before that April 6th off day leading into the April 7th opening day game against the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, in Arizona. So there's still time left to decide that closer situation, but with that said, it doesn't it's hard to imagine that they're going to have like a real full-time closer by opening day and like they'll know exactly who their closer is. And they'll have no doubts about it, and he's going to, you know, be the closer of the whole season because Luis Garcia obviously is not an option anymore. Pagan has struggled, obviously, he struggled a lot today, or uh, excuse me, on Monday in his last spring training outing. Robert Suarez, from what I know, he's been pretty good, uh, but are they fully confident in, in someone who, had, who didn't pitch in the big leagues last year to come be the closer immediately? full-time uh lamette is another option but do they want to you know really put him right into the fire immediately and say hey pitch back to back to back games in some of these big series are they willing to do that so i feel like they'll i feel like bob melvin will say someone is the closer because he likes having that closer but i feel like it could definitely change whether that's a week into the season, a few weeks into the season, uh, whether that depends. It, it could depend on, to be quite honest, it could depend on how if LaMette, you know, pitches well out of the gate. If they're confident in him being the closer, if he doesn't start the season as the closer already. So those are the things I would look into, you know, with the closer situation. And just seeing like, you know. How guys do? That's the big indicator. Obviously, you know the rest of spring training. How many appearances does Lamet get remaining? How many appearances does Pagan get remaining? How many appearances will Suarez get? You know, remaining on the schedule. Um, So it's still fluid. It seems like the closer situation, and it's a wait and see. Um, And in terms of Clevenger, like I mentioned earlier. He told the media earlier before the Giants game he was hoping Clevenger to get three-ish innings, but he ended up getting five outs. Uh, getting to the one more comment here. Say Suzuki, star comment. Say Suzuki is batting a whopping zero uh, in his batting average was this spring. Did we dodge a bullet? I think that's pretty stupid to just go out and you know assume that we dodged a bullet just because he doesn't have a hit in spring training. Like... There's been guys – remember Otani struggled his first spring training, and then he's won an MVP. So the Padres didn't dodge a bullet by missing out on him, right? So I think it's foolish to just judge things on a small sample size of at-bats. Could this be a, 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 smaller, or a smaller degree of the ha Kim thing where Kim didn't really pick up the velocity in his first year and, and uh, Suzuki doesn't do the same? Maybe. But they have Suzuki for what? Five years. So one year in the contract's not going to outweigh the next four years in the deal if he plays well the next four years and doesn't play well the first year. So I, I wouldn't take too much into that in terms of spring training, and frankly maybe even this first year, especially since the Cubs are not World Series contenders this year. Frankly, I don't really understand them, you know, signing Marcus Stroman to that deal. When they just traded away Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, you know, I didn't really understand where they're going with that. Uh, and then to bring in a guy who doesn't have major league experience and it seems like an overpay, that's why I wasn't too mad about the Potters missing out on Suzuki uh, in comparison to how mad, mad I was right when the news came down and the contract wasn't announced because I didn't know the terms. Um, so I don't really know what the Cubs are doing there, what their whole plan is. Maybe they're you know, trying to retool instead of rebuild, and I guess good for them, right? They're not doing a full Cincinnati Reds where they don't want to win. They're not even trying to win or even act like they're trying to win. Um, but at the same time, like I don't know what they really were trying to do, getting Stroman, and then it seems like the Suzuki deal is an overpay. Uh, but again, that's off topic. Getting back to... Zara's question about you know Suzuki not having a hit so far, Do- did we dodge a bullet? It's way too early to decide, and we're not, certainly not, I'm not going to decide based on spring training games. All right, so yeah, let's save that. Alex Silva comments, Clev has not pitched against live batters in a year and a half. We should expect rust. I'll freak out after a couple more starts, and he still struggles. That's definitely much. That's definitely a better thought process uh, than any fan who wants to overreact. I didn't see fans overreacting to Clevenger on Twitter today. You know, giving up eight runs. So that's definitely a good thing because we know Padres Twitter sometimes can uh, be people. You know, overreacting. You know, some some of it is sarcastic, and I think some people don't realize that. But some of it also is serious. Uh, so. I'd also, you know, mention that as well. But yeah, I think it's good. That's definitely Alex. That's definitely a much better thought process to go, you know, into the season with, to judge Clevenger on the first couple starts during the season and see if he still struggles, than to freak out after his first start in a long time against big league action, uh, you know, first time since 2020, end of 2020. I'm not going to overreact. I don't think fans should either. All right, let's get to Omar. That's a good question about a best hypothetical trade to fix the outfield. We'll get to that. Uh, But first, I wanted to get to the Padres City Connect jerseys. They will be debuted on July 8th against the San Francisco Giants, according to the Sports Business Journal. Uh, The the uniforms will be unveiled July 1st. That's what Kevin Acey said in his column today or in his uh, News Notes article. The replicas will be available for purchase. And so, translation, money. Uh, so, look, I, when, the, when, the, uh, when Major League Baseball on their like, Twitter account was teasing what, what their announcement was gonna be, uh, I don't know if this was the announcement because I think, didn't they say Wednesday was gonna be an announcement and today's Tuesday? So maybe the announcement hasn't come, but I guessed, I, I think I quote tweeted it or something, and said, let me guess what this announcement is, because they're teasing an announcement but not saying what it is, or they didn't say what it was. My quote tweet to that, my response was, let me guess, it involves money, and it does. This City Connect thing involves money. I'm not too sure I'm gonna like this. Look, I love the brown and gold. As you can see, I'm wearing this brown and gold shirt, this customized shirt my mom made me, beat LA, wearing the Padres hat. I'm all brown and gold. I love the brown and gold color scheme. And so if it's not a brown and gold jersey, and there's been leaks on the socks, Omar says, yeah, uh, where it's not brown and gold, and it's like this pink, uh, what is it, this like pink uh, palm tree, and it's just definitely not Padre's colors, I, I would not like that. I don't, I don't understand that, and I understand where they're coming from because it's money, right they're going to sell the replicas fans are going to buy the replicas because not all fans think like me right they're going to some fans are going to like it or some fans they're just going to get it because they like having all the jerseys you know they collect jerseys so that's kind of my thoughts on that uh i think that it's just another money grab and unless the jerseys are brown and gold or if they're like throwback jerseys or something i can't sit here and say that I'm gonna love them and say I'm gonna I'm, oh I'm gonna go purchase these jerseys like that's not my thought process um, so that's the city connect stuff that'll be unveiled this July I will probably be going to that game July 7th or July 8th excuse me that Friday night game against the Giants because my family has season tickets that's our season plan that Friday night game is included in that so I'll probably at that game be at that game to see that you know in full effect Uh, So that's the City Connect jerseys. Moving on to Matt Beatty, new San Diego Padre, the newest San Diego Padre. He commented to the media for the first time as a Padre. He played in his first spring training game for the Padres today against the Giants. Came in at first base uh, during the middle of the game. But let's let's first get to his comments. He said, quote, I'm excited, end quote. Uh, "Quote: It's a great opportunity." End quote. Uh, he he said he was excited for the Dodgers uh, when they got Freddie Freeman and, and excited for their organization because they were going to get better. But he knew that it limited his chances for having some playing time because he was at the fill, he was the fill in first baseman uh, before that Freddie Freeman deal, and now the fill in first baseman is probably Max Muncie or like a guy like Bellinger, you know. Uh, Muncie will play second now, but they can put Gavin Lux there. Freddie Freeman's DHing or has a day off, or he gets hurt, and then they put Muncie at first. So it, it really limited Matt Beatty's playing time there. And so he said, you know, he knew that the D He also said the DH limits his uh, pinch hitting opportunities. So he quote kind of saw the writing on the wall. End quote. And that's definitely what I expected him to say. I mentioned that, you know, in my reaction episode, episode one thirty seven. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, uh, it was definitely uh, you know expected, you know him saying this that he, he's just his opportunities weren't going to be there, and so I kind of view it. I know some fans I saw on YouTube in the comments they were, or some fans on Twitter they weren't really as excited. They they saw the stats that the numbers weren't great, the power numbers weren't great. The, the power numbers were kind of comparable to pro-far and stuff. His most home runs he's hit in a season in his three years is nine, I think, in 2019. Uh, but at the same time, like, look, he didn't have a great chance with the Dodgers. I'm viewing this as glass half full here and saying this is an opportunity for him to come in, get more opportunities, and therefore his numbers will go up. His power numbers – his power numbers will go up. He will have you know, more opportunities to hit home runs. He will have more opportunities to probably play in the field against right-handed hitters because he doesn't hit lefties well, but he hits righties well in terms of OPS uh, better than profile. So I think he'll get more opportunities to play, and therefore he will have better numbers. Uh, so I'm more encouraged by – than probably some people that I've seen – in terms of the impact that Beatty will have, I'm not saying he's Fernando Tatis Jr. and he's going to have this six war and all that, but I do think you know he was pretty clutch at some points with the Dodgers, and I think there's possibilities of him coming in the game late in games if the Padres don't like a certain matchup, if they don't want Profar up at the plate late in the game at some point, and they you know it's a tie game and they're okay with Beatty playing left. Maybe that's a situation. Again, playing against right-handed starters—that could be a, a, a possible situation. So I'm of, I'm of the belief that he will play better with more playing time. If you get what I'm saying there, he'll he'll be more comfortable, get more opportunities, and he won't necessarily have to be have as much pressure to say your roster spot's on the line here with the Dodgers. You know, if you don't play well. We have all these no-name prospects that are going to come up like Luke Rayleigh or whatever the heck his name was that are just going to come up and, you know, hit home runs against the Padres. That was pretty much – that. that's what was happening with the Dodgers, and this is something that I think won't really happen as much with the Padres. I think he'll still have to fight for his roster spots, but at the same time, I think that he'll not be like – He'll not, he'll not, he won't have as much pressure on him because I think he, he's the fourth outfielder right now. He firmly has a bench spot, and the bench depth for the Padres isn't that great, especially with the Fernando Tatis Jr. injury. So I definitely think this is a good move for Matt Beatty, for the Padres, uh, because he's going to get a chance to shine with the Padres, where he didn't get as much of a chance to shine with the Dodgers. Uh and so his, 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 he said his biggest takeaway from the Dodgers organization is just competing every day and that his roster spot is never comfortable. And I just went into that. I think that that was definitely true with the Dodgers, but I don't think it's going to be as true with the Padres in terms of his roster spot being on the line, uh, at least immediately. Because who would you rather have? Like, the, who would you rather have? Trace Thompson as, the, as one of the two outfielders on the bench? Or would you rather have Matt Beatty? And I think the answer is Matt Beatty. So I think that the Dodgers' bench, which obviously a lot deeper than the Padres' uh, and the Padres', so I guess what I'm saying here is that the Padres, there are I guess lack of outfield depth options before this Beatty deal helps Beatty in terms of maybe being more comfortable and saying, hey, you know, I'll just relax here. I'm going to play my butt off, but at least I don't have to like, continue looking over my shoulder. Um, so That was Matt Beatty's comments. In terms of his play on the field, again, it was not televised, so it was hard to really evaluate his two at-bats, but listening to the radio, uh, Jesse and Tony, he singled in his first at-bat. Again, he didn't start, but he came in into the game, and then he had a deep fly out to center field in the ninth inning. I was listening to Tony call it, uh, him and Jesse call it, and Tony said that it went, like, over 420 feet to de- to center field, and it was just shy of the warning track. And Tony said that, Tony Gwynn Jr., that is, said that it would have been out in every other spring training ballpark but Scottsdale, but the Giants, at least in Arizona. So the ball was crushed is what it seems like uh, to dead center, but Scottsdale, that stadium, just kept it in. Um, so that's definitely a good sign, you know, Right out of the gate, seems like he's hitting the ball well, making good contact. Uh, but again, it's two spring training at bat, so you're not going to overreact to it. But what I'll say to that is, again, you didn't—I didn't get to see it. No one got to see it unless you were at the game. But it seems like an encouraging start from Matt Beatty in a Padres uniform, especially you know getting out of the gate here in spring training. Uh, in terms of the comments here. One says Profar is trash. Well, he's he's definitely not the best outfield option, but at the same time, I think he's an okay outfield option. I think the platoon between him and Beatty isn't the worst thing in the world. If Luke Voigt produces and stays healthy, you know, hitting home runs, if the catching position continues to hit the way it is in spring training, if Grisham and Myers have some sort of bounce-back season, I think that's how the left field platoon situation won't look as bad. Uh, so that's to answer that question in terms of pro-far. Uh, getting to Kevin Ac's comments, that starting rotation possibility, uh, he said in his uh, article today that the Padres could go Darvish, Musgrove, and uh, the fifth starter, whether that's Nick Martinez or Paddock, have that be Darvish going the first day, uh, first game, Muscov the third game, and then Martinez probably the fifth game. And then you stagger Snell and Clevenger, whether that's Clevenger pitching the second game or Snell pitching the second game. You, you uh, stagger those two guys. So Snell and Clevenger, one of those two pitching the second game and then the other pitching the fourth game. And they're not built up, so you probably have a piggyback bullpen-type day after that. So... What they're trying to do is they're trying to have Snell and Clevenger pitch not back-to-back days, so that the bullpen doesn't get worn out, kind of like it did last year, where they had to have back-to-back bullpen days. And they're they're confident that Musgrove, Darvish, and Martinez, or Musgrove, Darvish, Paddock, they can uh, you know pitch deep into games, five, six innings, maybe seven innings at some point for Darvish and Musgrove. Uh, and obviously, at some point, hopefully for Snell and Clevenger, but at least at the start of the season, they're hoping that those guys can pitch pretty, you know, pretty deep into the game so that the bullpen isn't taxed. And so it's okay if Clevenger and Snell only go three, four innings in the second and fourth games of the season, at least to start out. So the bullpen's going to be fresh. So I think that's a very intriguing starting rotation possibility. And thinking about it more, I think that's definitely something that the Padres should do. Because, frankly, a lot of it's about the health, right? You have Fernando coming back second half of the year, hopefully. You have Snell and Clevenger. They will be built up probably after April. Once, once May comes around, they'll probably be built up. So this whole piggyback situation hopefully won't happen. Um, but in terms of the piggyback thing, this is the best situation or best solution, I think, in terms of keeping guys healthy. Darvish, Musgrove, Martinez, they look healthy right now. So just letting them pitch regularly, I think, is, is okay. Uh, Darvish and Musgrove are obviously experienced in the big leagues. And Martinez has looked pretty good, that one start that he pitched against the Dodgers. But Snell and Clevenger, if Snell and Clevenger don't stay healthy, it's going to be really hard, I think, for the Padres to go deep at all. Like, you need a full rotation, and if, if Snell and Clevenger are not healthy, then all of a sudden you're looking at a situation where Gore, you're going to put a lot of pressure on Mackenzie Gore to uh, you know, really pitch well in the big leagues because he'd be called up. You're going to put pressure on Ryan Weathers, who struggled last year. You're going to put pressure on Paddock, assuming that he's healthy, coming off the UCL injury. Then you're putting pressure on Nick Martinez, who hasn't pitched in the big leagues in a long time. Uh, and you're, he's really going to have to live, live up to that six million dollars that he's making this year. Uh, so you're putting on a, a lot of pressure on other guys if those two don't stay healthy. And so keeping those two guys healthy should be a priority. And so if that means piggybacking those guys for the first month of the season or the first couple or a few starts of the season, I'm all for it. And especially when you're doing it and you're piggybacking those guys with like Chris Paddock. Or uh, Ryan Weathers, guys that seem like they're healthy right now, and maybe they're best served to pitch only one or two innings, or three innings after that, and they can just give it; they're all there, and only face the line, you know, that starting lineup one way through the seat or one time, you know, through the lineup instead of having to go multiple times and guys having you know adjusted against them. So I think that's a very intriguing possibility, and my gut instinct would be that they'd have the first way through the rotation would be Darvish on opening day, Uh, Clevenger probably pitching game two, and then Musgrove pitching game three, Snell game four, Martinez game five, and then Weathers, Paddock piggybacking Snell, Clevenger, uh, like I just mentioned. Uh, But also another kind of positive thing coming up out of Musgrove going that third game is he'd be able to pitch the home opener on April 14th. And he obviously, from San Diego, he knows that that means more to him. I think the Padres, quite frankly, think that that means more. To, they know that that means more to him than him getting the opening day start because pitching at home, that home opener, it's like a holiday pretty much in San Diego. So they... He knows, growing up, how much that means to the city and how much that would mean to him. Him pitching in Arizona, while I'm sure there will be some fans there, that's not going to be the same as pitching out to a sold-out Padres crowd. Uh, and, by the way, he'd be facing a better team for his first start, home start of the year. Uh, and I think that just means more to him, and I think the Padres know that. And to be quite honest, the whole opening day starter thing and – The whole, you know, who's pitching second and third, you know, that I think is a little overblown at times. I think some fans can look at it and say, okay, so if Darvish is pitching game one, Musgrove game two, and someone else game three, those are your, you know, Darvish is number one in the rotation, Musgrove's the second best starter in the rotation. And that's not usually necessarily the case. Sometimes that's just based on them working back in spring training or certain matchups. You know out of the gate like if they like musgrove against you know a certain team you know out of the gate over another team they might put him on a different day even though he you know in terms of how great he is as a starting pitcher you know in comparison to the rest of the starting rotation might be different from where he's actually starting so i think that's definitely a uh I think that's definitely a, a good possibility. That whole five-man rotation thing with the piggybacking and having Snow and are not pitching back-to-back days and kind of not pitching guys in terms of how good they are. You know, having the best starting pitcher pitch first, second-best starting pitcher pitch second. Instead, have it more, you know, based on health. I think that's definitely a better... Uh, way to line up things i'd say that so that's the intriguing uh starting pitcher possibility last thing here padres unveiled their 2022 broadcast schedule today all 162 games will be played on 97.3 the fan the radio they'll have an hour pre and post game show uh 158 games will be on Bally sports san diego uh, so that leaves four primetime games not on Bally sports san diego Uh, On opening day, they'll have the hour Padres live pre- and post-game show. Post-game show will be 30 minutes, hour live pre-game show, the home opener and opening day. Uh, So that'll be a special one hour instead of half hour Padres live. And then their first national broadcast will be April 16th on Fox Sports 1, that Saturday game against the Braves at home, and then Sunday night baseball on ESPN April 17th. The K Rod broadcast will also be April second, or it'll be on ESPN two on April seventeenth, uh, where uh, Michael K and Alex Rodriguez they'll pretty much be having like a sports talk show, pretty much just talking on the couch, kind of like the Manning Cast in the NFL. They'll be doing that baseball uh, on Sunday night baseball on April seventeenth, Padres Braves uh, at Petco Park. Uh, another nas- other national televised games. Are May 14th at Atlanta, May 21st in San Francisco, June 30th at the Dodgers, and then September 7th at Arizona. Uh, That's as of now. Again, that can all change. May 13th at the Braves is the Apple TV Plus broadcast. Uh, That was announced. That is free to anyone who has internet, I guess, is what they're saying. I initially thought you'd have to pay for that Apple TV thing, Uh, but if you can stream it live... Uh, And if you can stream it For free as long as you have internet And you download the app or whatever uh, I guess that's fine for most people Because most people have internet Um, But yeah that's May 13th so that game will not be On any TV It will be on So it won't be on Valley Sports It won't be on ESPN or Fox Sports 1 Or TBS or MLB Network It's going to be on Apple TV Plus only uh, Part of Apple and MLB's uh, Friday night doubleheader deal uh, again. Money, all about the money, uh, and making it harder for some people or more difficult for some people, uh, and more of a headache for fans to watch the game. So that's not a surprise. Um, but April twelfth is another national televised game, TBS against the Giants in San Francisco. July second, July second, excuse me, at the Dodgers on Fox. July 9th versus San Francisco at home on Fox. So those are the national televised broadcasts. Again, all 162 games will be on the radio like usual. And then May 13th, the Apple TV Plus game. And Sunday Night Baseball, April 17th, uh, against the Braves at Petco Park. Uh, And then they have that FS1 game the day before that, that Saturday game at Petco Park. So that's the national TV broadcast broadcast. Uh, and then before we get out of here, talking about some questions here in the chat, uh, Alex Silva comments, With these Contreras rumors, can he be playing left field? Uh, would he be the left fielder? I don't know. I've never seen him play anything but catcher. Wilson Contreras wouldn't be the left fielder. Uh, he's, he's been an all-star as a catcher, so frankly, I don't think that would be smart for the Padres to do that. And they just acquired someone who could play left field. So I, I wouldn't see that happening. And if they if they acquire Contreras, then they're probably getting rid of Luis Camposano, I would expect. And they'd probably get rid of probably Victor Caratini or one of the catchers. I think that's the way that they'd go about it. So I, I would not see – I personally would not see Contreras playing left field because he's not a left fielder. Uh, so let's see – Gary he says, I think Victor watched her stream last night and was like, watch this. Well, I, I didn't stream last night but because uh, I was working. Um, but, yeah, Victor, yeah, he's he's he did play pretty well today from what I saw on the box score. It wasn't on TV, so you can't really like, judge his at-bats. But I think he had at least one RBI. Uh, but, yeah, so – Again, this, this episode is sponsored by Leon Bros, Cheesesteaks, and Subs. Thank you, everyone, for watching in live, watching the replay on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. Uh, I'll do this. Hit the like or subscribe button if you think that Matt Beatty will be the starting left fielder at some point this season. So I'll, have you, I'll end with that. Hit the subscribe button if you think that will happen. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening on the podcast. Watch it on replay, again, at Talking Furs on all our social media channels. Ben Fadden signing off. Stay safe. Let's go, Padres. Until next time, see ya.